This is the Adventist World Radio, and you are listening to the Voice of Hope. For more information, please feel free to write to us. Our email address is Bible at awr dot org, or you could also call us on WhatsApp at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio, researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and in Los Angeles by Ray Robinson, produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 783 for release on Sunday, the 25th of February, 2024. On WaveScan today, radio in Sweden, part two, and part four of our coverage of the HFCC A24 Shortwave Coordination Conference in Malaysia. Last week, Ray Robinson began a two-part look at the history of radio broadcasting in the northern European country of Sweden. So here to continue once again is Ray from Los Angeles. Thanks, Jeff. You may remember that back in November in our short series on the history of radio jingles, I mentioned the Swedish offshore station Radio Nord, which was the first to use PAM-style jingles in Europe. Following the success of offshore radio in Denmark and the Netherlands, Radio Nord was set up by Jack Kotchak in 1960 with a 10-kilowatt medium-wave transmitter on board a ship called the MV Bonjour. The station broadcast very successfully outside the Stockholm archipelago in the Baltic Sea for 17 months from the 21st of February 1961 until the 30th of June 1962 on a frequency of 602 kilohertz, announced as 495 meters. <laughs> In its short life, Radio Nord experienced both disaster and success. It survived ice, storms, threats of seizure and technical difficulties which face a shipborne station. It was eventually closed down by government legislation after having built up a huge following within Sweden, with an audience of 24% of the adult population. Not only was Radio Nord a pioneer of radio in Sweden, it was also one of the pioneers of offshore radio in Europe, and to a large extent provided the inspiration for the radio ships which later anchored off the British and Dutch coasts. 
Indeed, the ship itself, the MV Bonjour, was renamed the MV Mi Amigo and was famously used by Radios Atlanta and Caroline from 1964 to 1980. In July 1962, largely as a result of the success of Radio Nord, a new pop music channel called P3, or Programme 3, was officially inaugurated, although at that time it only covered part of the country. But Radio Nord wasn't the only offshore station in Sweden. While Radio Nord was still on the air in March 1962, a second station, Radio Sud, or South Radio, owned by Mrs. Britt Wadner, was launched using the ship MV Cheetah, which she'd acquired from the Danish station Radio Mercur. Radio Sud broadcast on various FM frequencies from the Orison Sound between Malmö, Sweden and Copenhagen, Denmark, and continued after the new Nordic anti-pirate law came into effect on the 1st of August 1962. By March 1964, a poll showed that Radio Sud then had more listeners in the Malmö area than all three Swedish radio networks combined. Mrs. Wadner was prosecuted and fined several times, as were a number of the companies that advertised on Radio Sud. She even spent one month in prison, although under Swedish law she was permitted to continue operating her business from her jail cell, (laughs) the operation of Radio Sud. In October 1964, the MV Cheetah sank after a particularly rough storm, but undeterred, Mrs. Wadner acquired a new ship, which she called the MV Cheetah 2, and was quickly back on the air again. In fact, in 1965, she even made some test television transmissions on UHF. In January 1966, the station was forced to leave its anchorage by bad weather, and the ship was leased to Radio Caroline for three months as a replacement for the MV Mi Amigo, which had run aground and had to be taken to Amsterdam for a refit. But in April 1966, a more severe anti-radio piracy law went into effect in Sweden, and Radio Sud never returned to the Orisund. In fact, in late 1967, the MV Cheetah 2 headed south, first to the Canary Islands and then onwards to the port of Bathurst in the West African country of the Gambia, where she was used as a restaurant and nightclub. And interestingly, Radio Sud did go on the air again as a licensed station in Bathurst, which is now known as Banjul, from the 7th of May 1970 on 908 kHz, 329 meters. Here's a clip of Radio Sud in Bathurst in 1971. This is Radio Seed, 908 kilo cycles, giving you 20 hours music every day, from 6 in the morning up to 2 in the morning. Radio Seed, your all-day and everyday music station from studios in Bathurst, the Gambia. This program is coming to you from Radio Seed with studios in Bathurst, the Gambia. Mrs. Britt Wadner died at her home in Sweden in March 1987 and the operation in the Gambia was then managed by her daughter and son-in-law. The station moved on land and the ship itself sank in Banjul Harbour in the early 1990s. The station did eventually move to an FM frequency, but the last entry for the station in the World Radio TV handbook is in 2006. In 1977, the Swedish P3 network introduced regional programming from 24 FM stations around the country, and stereo broadcasts became the standard in Sweden for the first time. Fifteen more stations were added in 1979. 
Independent commercial radio finally became legal in Sweden in March 1993, more than 30 years after the government monopoly had first been broken by Radio Nord. The best-known high-powered medium-wave station in Sweden was located at Solversborg, which used a power of 600 kilowatts on 1179 kilohertz, 254 meters. From the 1960s to the 1980s, during the evenings, it relayed the foreign service of Radio Sweden for Europe, including one of the best-known entertainment shows on international radio, the Radio Sweden Saturday Show, presented by Dr Roger Wallace, Sidney Coulson and Australian Kim Lochran, known as Kangaroo Kim. Here's a clip of Roger with guest, former Radio Caroline DJ Dave Lee Travis, on Saturday the 16th of September 1967. Here's a short wave. Yoo-hoo! Big Bad Roger. Oh, that wasn't Big Bad Roger, that was Big Bag DLT from... Shut up, isn't it? It's jokey and it's been sent in from uh, Miss Blossom Crasto. That's a name to go and to And this is with, a short wave part of the show so she can hear us because she lives in... Uh, 7 Gauthan Street, 2, um, OPPPO Andheri. Andheri to you, sir. Andheri to you. <laughs> Bombay, 58, India. And uh, she's got a tremendous joke here, it says. Number 2. That's number 2 joke on the yes. page. It says, <laughs> Albert... Did Moses have headaches? Dad, how on earth do I know? What makes you ask such a question? Albert, well, sister said the Lord gave Moses two tablets. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. That is Indian humour, you see. Very beautiful. Thank you, Blossom Gasto, for a lovely uh, joke-filled letter. We'll be pleased to send you a record in our Joker Week competition. Anybody sends jokes to Radio Sweden, 10510 Stockholm, Sweden wins a record. The English language programmes came at the end of each evening's transmissions at 11pm UK time or 6pm Eastern. The first half hour of the Saturday show was carried globally on both shortwave and medium wave, but then it continued for a further 60 minutes on medium wave only for Europe. It was quite zany at times and liked to poke fun at itself in a way that was later imitated by Media Network on Radio Netherlands. Some people hate Radio Sweden so intensely that they never miss a single program. Yeah! On Sundays, the same team also presented a show called The Pops, which showcased the best in homegrown Scandinavian pop music at the time. We should also remember, too, the long-running DX programme from Radio Sweden, Sweden Calling DXers, which was broadcast on Tuesday evenings. Do you remember the way that show opened? Welcome to edition number 1575 of Sweden Calling the Xers. And today's program was compiled with the help of 65 contributors. And this week we'll start off with some publications. First of all, Mickey Vassellar has just published the third issue of External Services of African Stations. That was from 1980, but this program began with Arna Skoog in February 1948 as a guide for DXers and shortwave listeners, and it depended entirely on the logging contributions of its listeners. As an incentive, if you contributed an item, the station would send you the printed script for six weeks. I had a whole stack of them. 
Versions of the show were broadcast in several European languages, such as German, not just English. The show was taken over by the American George Wood in 1978, the name was changed to MediaScan a few years later, and the programme ended in 2001. You've been listening to Radio Sweden at Stockholm. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time and on the same frequencies. That is 9,630 and 21,690 kilohertz, 41.2 and 13.8 meters. If you would like a list of our programs, times, and frequencies, please write to Radio Sweden, S10510, Stockholm, Sweden. Radio Sweden, Stockholm. Domestically, on Longwave, as in many other countries of Europe, there were three high-powered stations to blanket the country and reach Swedish-speaking communities in Finland and elsewhere. These were located at Matala, Lulea and Gothenburg. In 1962, the Longwave service at Matala was transferred to a new location at nearby Orlanda. However, Sweden abandoned use of longwave broadcasting in 1991, and the Matala building was then turned into a radio museum, where the original longwave transmitter can be seen on display. Eventually, over the years, more than 100 medium wave stations have been established throughout Sweden, mostly with quite low power, though about half a dozen would be described as high power stations. Most of these were closed in favour of FM and DAB broadcasting in the 1990s and early 2000s. Sweden then finally closed its two shortwave stations, Herbie and Karlsborg, and the one remaining medium wave station at Solversborg on 1179 kHz on Saturday the 30th of October 2010. Nationwide coverage on radio in Sweden is now obtained solely with several networks of FM stations and DAB multiplexes, totaling anywhere up to 2,000 mostly low-power transmitters. There were two other radio stations of note in Sweden. A large communication station known as Gotborg Radio traces its earliest origins back to the year 1905. This station was progressively located at four different sites over the years and it's been well known under the call signs SAG and SAB. The other interesting station is the old Spark wireless station at Grimton, which was inaugurated in the 1920s by King Gustav V. The old longwave Alexanderson alternator is still functional and it's placed on the air once each year under the call sign SAQ. Radio Sweden was a prolific verifier of reception reports and we're aware of at least 50 different designs for their QSL cards. Likewise, many QSL cards have been issued for the old longwave transmitter SAQ and for Gottborg Radio SAG and SAB. Back to you, Jeff. Thanks, Ray. Certainly those recordings bring back a lot of good memories of listening to Radio Sweden before its disappearance. Next week, Ray will tackle a topic which I don't think has ever been covered in Wavescan before, the history of broadcasting in the tiny British overseas territory of Gibraltar. You're listening to Wavescan from Adventist World Radio. Last week, we had the second part of an interview with Gary Stanley and Steve Palmer of Encompass Digital Media, which operates BBC shortwave transmission sites around the world. We talked with Gary and Steve at the HFCC A24 shortwave frequency conference in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Here's the final part of our conversation. So shortwave continues. There has been um, 
Um, there was talk here uh, at the conference about uh, how to promote short-lived listening to people who, who aren't listening now, and, and particularly um, promoting shortwave to uh, young people, which can be uh, quite a challenge, right? Yes, I think I think so. I, I was we we were really um, warmed to receive a reception report from a, a seventeen-year-old uh, who listened to the Wufferton 80th anniversary. A seventeen-year-old DX uh, listened to the Wufferton 80th anniversary broadcast uh, from his uh, his setup uh, in Northampton in the UK, which was really wonderful uh, to, to that, that there are. Uh, people taking up that hobby from the younger generation, um, but also um, when you think about it, any media consumption these days, um, the younger generation are on TikTok and uh, streaming, uh, Netflix, and so on. Um, but uh, but there is that immediacy of of radio and and, and shortwave. Uh, in particular, and the immediacy of hearing uh, an international broadcaster, uh, a live transmission uh, broadcast over thousands of miles, and uh, we have found uh, when when the younger generation discover shortwave, uh, it has a, a certain infectiousness about it, um, and uh, uh, it was really. Uh, encouraging to see that discussion at HFCC around how to promote shortwave to, to a younger audience, um, particularly given its use in um, uh, international uh, news situations and disasters and so on. Um, so, uh, yes, very, very nice to, to see. I mean, there are shortwave radios out there, shortwave receivers. Uh, you can go on the internet and, and Amazon.com, and I mean, there are dozens and dozens of pages. So the radios are, are available, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, and and so it's a it's a question of uh, and and I guess people are buying them or they wouldn't have them on for sale, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, what's interesting is uh, a friend of mine uh, who uh, attended the um, NASB uh, National Association of Shortwave Broadcasters uh, annual meeting um, in uh, uh, Miami uh, back in December um, hadn't had a huge amount of exposure to um, to, to shortwave uh, coordination and. Uh, um, uh, and management, I suppose you could say, attended the meeting, uh, went straight out and bought a shortwave receiver and has started listening. So um, it's, um, uh, it goes to show that when, when you introduce shortwave to somebody, um, it, it, it has, a, as I say, a slightly infectious nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we, uh, as we begin 2024 now, there are unfortunately a number of um, conflicts going on around the world of one sort or another, and, and, and shortwave has been called crisis radio, right, Gary? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, the beauty of it is that you can broadcast to a country from another country without any kind of restrictions or you know, uh, government involvement. You can just put on your transmission, send information over, which is useful to the, to the people. And aside from conflicts and things, uh, shortwave can also be used. There's a very interesting project HFCC has, International Radio for Disaster Relief, right? Yes, that's a sort of a recent uh, project that we, we uh, put together with, with the ABU and AS- ASBU colleagues. Uh, created a, uh, a list of channels on every frequency band, which is reserved for uh, emergency broadcasting, humanitarian broadcasts. So broadcasters have those frequencies available if they have a need to broadcast to a, a, a place where there's a disaster, a natural disaster. 
etc. And Stephen Compass has used that recently for a few things, right? We have uh, we have carried out um, international radio for disaster relief transmissions um, in the last twelve months. Uh, we broadcast some uh, urgent. Um, uh, I suppose you could call it life-saving humanitarian information to into Syria and Turkey after the earthquake uh, last year. Um, that was in collaboration with a, a group uh, of uh, farmers in, in Syria, and that 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 was information around how to grow crops in a disaster zone, how to uh, capture and purify water, um, medical advice, where to go for medical assistance, that that sort of information. Um, and uh, we also uh, carried out IRDR broadcasts um, to. Um, uh, to, to East Asia uh, after the cyclones uh, uh, which uh, which hit uh, Myanmar last last year as well and that was very similar um, critical information um, which we, which we broadcast from uh, uh, from our site in um, uh, in the UAE mm-hmm. now the next HSCC conference will take place uh, uh, at the end of August in a very um, well a place that there hasn't been a meeting before right Gary? <laughs> yes um, uh, we have the conference a B24 conference taking place in Tashkent, in Uzbekistan. So the first time this, the uh, HFCC has been to uh, Central Asia. Mm. So that's really exciting for the members. Mm. And, but but you'll miss it. Yes, I will. Yes, it's um, it's always difficult to know when to stop. <laughs> you know, working and uh, so I, I, I made a decision about 18 months ago. I was going to I was going to retire in March this year. Mm. So I've had, but I've had a really great year. The, um, we had, a, we had a meeting in Australia in September last year, which was really fantastic. And I took the opportunity to, with my wife to have a holiday afterwards. And then to come to KL one more time has been great. Yeah, one of my favorite places. And I expect that uh, you and your wife are going to be on a few cruises in the near future, right? Absolutely. As, as Jeff, Jeff knows, uh, 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 my wife and I are big cruisers. And of course, without having to work at certain times of the year, we'll be free to, you know, go on ships more often. Yes. I believe, Gary, the Queen Mary too is going to be setting off on a round-the-world cruise. Uh, so. There you go. Yes, it's, 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 it's difficult because we've go, we got two grandchildren, you know, five and six months, so it's very difficult to sort of go away t- for too long. You know, I've got a, we've got a cruise lined up for 25, September 25, to right. west coast of the States, you know, New York and Boston and mm. a few other places, so that one's on the, in, in, the, in the diary. And uh, so... Yeah, well, I'm, I'm gradually sort of building up, encouraging my wife to go on longer and longer cruises. <laughs> yes. well, well, we wish you a very, very happy retirement, and, uh, and thanks very much for all of your service to the HFCC over the, these many, many years. Thank you very much, Jeff. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Jeff. Nice to join you. And that was the final part of our conversation with Gary Stanley and Steve Palmer of Encompass Digital Media at the HFCC A24 conference in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. The Sea Crane Company in the U.S., which sells radio equipment via mail order, tells us that their friend Michael Harrison from Talkers magazine, along with his band, Gunhill Road, has released a new song, Over the Radio Waves, a heartfelt tribute to the continuing influence of radio around the world. The song came out a few weeks back, just in time for World Radio Day 2024, which was February 13th. The song calls for broadcasters and listeners alike to all stand together in celebrating the 13th annual edition of the United Nations UNESCO-designated World Radio Day earlier this month. Radio on, now the day has just begun. 
Voices in the air Rising with the morning sun I go about my day And I know that I belong The signal's strong And we all stand together Over the radio waves World Radio Day So save the day United Nations and UNESCO going to celebrate Inform, entertain, and educate Into its second century A lifeline called diversity Now more than ever universally Audio messages around the wheel Through the electromagnetic field Radio's important like never before February 13th, 2024 Mark it on your calendar and don't delay Let's all celebrate World Radio Day Tune in to hear what everybody's got to say Times can be tough When you're far away from town But still I hear your voice And there's comfort in the sound I listen as I go The words and music free my soul And I feel whole And we all stand together Over the radio waves And we all stand together Over the radio waves And we all stand together Over the radio waves Presenting a World Radio Day Minute Proclaimed in 2011 by UNESCO and endorsed by the United Nations General Assembly in 2012 as a UN International Day February 13 is World Radio Day. As a consumer electronics appliance, radio has been through many configurations since first appearing on store shelves in the early 20th century. It's been mostly AM, which stands for amplitude modulation, and FM, which means frequency modulation. But we mustn't forget that shortwave and ham radio have also been important during these hundred plus years. There was even a time when radio was listened to with headphones on simple non-powered devices called crystal sets. Today, AM-FM radios come with a variety of power sources, including batteries, solar panels, and cranks to generate energy. Now in the digital era, we have DAB radio, satellite radio, streaming radio, and the development of radio-style innovations such as podcasting. Radio continues to evolve. This has been a World Radio Day Minute from UNESCO. And we end Wavescan this week with more Swedish folk music. Thanks for listening to Wavescan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson and in Los Angeles by Ray Robinson. Next week, our main feature will be the history of broadcasting in Gibraltar. We'll talk about just how shortwave stations coordinate their frequency usage. And we'll have our Japan DX report from Yukiko Tsuji. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam, AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and other AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, including DX News for this program, can be sent to wavescan at yahoo.com. 
I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone. the Adventist World Radio, and you are listening to The Voice of Hope. For more information, please feel free to write to us. Our email address is bible at awr.org, or you could also call us on WhatsApp at plus one two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. 